Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Jimmy, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Beth. You well? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm excited for another episode of our podcast. When we did the original trailer, one of the names we put on, in fact, it was the only name we put on the original trailer that we haven't actually done yet. So it we thought is, yes. we thought it would be best to get round and do it now. So we are going to do an episode on Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yes. And she was a massive name in the 90s particularly, wasn't she? She was, she was. And a few unsavoury headlines as well. And she's actually made a complete turnaround now, and she's uh, back in Sistardom. She doing is. Doing fabulously well in Stranger Things. Yes. Have you watched Stranger no, Things? No, I haven't, no. It doesn't oh. appeal to me at all. I, I watched it. You liked it, didn't you? Yeah, it was quite good. I quite liked it. It was sort of very 80s based. Yes, um, yeah. And it definitely had that feel. And you know one of those programmes that the soundtrack matches the time and yes, stuff like yeah, that? So it was, yeah. it was really good from that point of view. But yeah, she was, she was great in it. So we're going to do an episode on Winona Ryder. We really hope you enjoy it. So for now, let's rewind to the 90s. Winona Laura Horowitz was born 11am on October the 29th, 1971, in a barn in Olmsted County, Minnesota. Her middle name, Laura, was bestowed upon her by her parents due to their close friendship with Laura Huxley, the wife of Aldius Huxley. So she stands as the third among four siblings, including half-brother and half-sister from her mother's previous marriage. Ryder's parents, Michael and Cindy, embodied the spirit of hippie intellectuals. Her mother was an author, video producer and editor, and her father was an author, editor, publisher and antiquarian bookseller. During her early years, Ryder's family embarked on a brief sojourn to Columbia, where they briefly resided alongside Chilean revolutionaries. In 1974, they returned to their roots in Northern California. Later on, they made their home in Rainbow, a commune situated near Elk in California. Within this tight-knit community, seven other families shared a sprawling 300-acre tract of land. In this remote environment, bereft of electricity and television sets, Ryder immersed herself in books. Her mother occasionally screened films in a barn using a sheet to project onto. And that sparked Ryder's burgeoning interest in acting. So she had a very unusual childhood. Very unusual. And let's go back. So first of all, she was living amongst Chilean revolutionaries. So very basic living environment. And then she's in a commune. Mm. And a commune, you do, you think of like a cult and everything, don't you? Yeah, and of course she was Aldous Huxley, whose wife she got the middle name mm. from. Mm. He was very much a, a pacifist and yes. of that nature. So... Mm. It all ties into quite an unusual childhood for the sort of thing we'd be familiar with. Well, when she reached the age of 10, Ryder's family relocated once more, settling in Petaluma, California. In her initial week at the local junior high school, she endured bullying from a group of individuals who mistakenly identified her as an effeminate and slender boy. This unfortunate situation led to her being homeschooled for that particular year. During the same year, she nearly drowned, which caused her to develop aquaphobia. And that caused problems later in her life during the underwater scenes in Alien Resurrection. Some of those scenes had to be reshot numerous times. That's interesting. But you've heard, you have heard of it, aquaphobia. And obviously if she's gone through and she remembers nearly drowning and the fear that that could happen again whenever she's near water, I get that. Well, at the age of 13, Ryder embarked on her acting endeavours by enrolling at the American Conservatory Theatre. 
conveniently located in nearby San Francisco, and it was here she took her very first acting lessons. While gracing this conservatory stage with her performances, Winona garnered the attention of talent scouts keen on inviting her to audition for a role in the 1986 film Desert Bloom, featuring the renowned actor John Voight. Despite not securing the part, her audition tape found its way to the offices of triad artists. Through the agency's connections, Winona Ryder's talent caught the eye of David Saltzer, a writer and director. He promptly selected her for a role in his 1986 movie Lucas, where she portrayed a close friend of the main character. When the question of how her name should appear in the film credits arose, she made a unique choice. Inspired by the Mitch Ryder album playing in the background, she proposed the surname Ryder as her credited name. Wow, so if you'd have been an actress when you were young, it would have been Beth Keating. Yes. After, after Ronan. Yeah. <laughs> as a young actress, Winona Ryder achieved remarkable success. Her delicate beauty and her ability to portray characters who were simultaneously innocent yet worldly wise opened doors to significant teenage roles. After receiving acclaim for her role in Lucas, she appeared in Golden Globe-nominated drama Square Dance in 1987. Winona Ryder's breakthrough moment arguably came when she played Lydia in Tim Burton's 1988 film Beetlejuice. Mm. She had thought that this would ease the bullying she was suffering. She said, I remember thinking, ooh, it's like the number one movie. This is going to make things great at school. But it made things worse. They called me a witch. Oh, you feel for her, don't you? She's only young. Children do tend to pick on those that are different. And given the background she had and the, the childhood she had, she was always going to be different. Mm. In 1989, Ryder starred in the cult classic Heathers. In the same year, she appeared in Great Balls of Fire, portraying the 13-year-old bride of Jerry Lee Lewis. That's not as good. <laughs> There's a few of these films I don't know. These I'll have to watch them. Oh, I remember. I remember that. Um, yeah, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. Ryder met Johnny Depp at the Great Balls of Fire premiere in June 1989, and they began dating shortly afterwards when she was still 17. She was engaged to him from 90 to 93 and Depp's Winona Forever tattoo eventually crumbled into the less romantic Wino Forever. Teaming up with Tim Burton once again in 1990, Winona Ryder portrayed a young woman in Edward Scissorhands, who had initially recalled from, but later found herself drawn to, the peculiar yet gentle character of Edward, played by her then-boyfriend Johnny Depp. Interestingly, this film, along with Mr Deeds in 2002 and A Scanner Darkly in 2006, features Ryder with her natural blonde hair, as she had dyed it black since childhood. Mm. I didn't know no, that. I, I didn't. thought it was the other way around. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was naturally dark-haired. And had to dye it black, yeah. She decided to step away from her role in The Godfather Part 3 due to exhaustion stemming from her recent work. Instead, she completed two somewhat related movies in 1990, Mermaids featuring Cher and Christina Ricci, and Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael, co-starring Jeff Daniels. While Mermaids received a lukewarm media reception, Ryder earned a Golden Globe nomination and won Best Supporting Actress Award from the National Board of Review for her role. During this period, she voluntarily admitted herself to a mental health facility to seek treatment for the intermittent depression and anxiety she'd been experiencing for years. However, after just one week of hospitalisation, she determined that her treatment was ineffective and chose to return home to San Francisco. Winona then embarked on the next phase of her career, embracing more mature roles and period films. Following her appearance in the independent film Night on Earth, she had the opportunity to collaborate with director Francis Ford Coppola. Winona signed with Creative Artists Agency and secured a script of Coppola's production of Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92. 
Meanwhile, Billy August, The House of the Spirits, 93, received an ensemble cast including Glenn Close, Meryl Streep and Jeremy Irons, but it received poor reviews from both critics and audiences. Once again, donning corsets, she took a role in The Age of Innocence alongside Michelle Pfeiffer and Daniel Day-Lewis. For her performance in this film, Winona earned a Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress and an Academy Award nomination. In 94, she received another nomination for her role in Little Women, an adaptation of the classic novel. During the same year, she starred in the cult classic Reality Bites. Additionally, she made a memorable appearance in the Simpsons episode titled Lisa's Rival, portraying Alison Taylor, a more intellectually inclined girl than the show's protagonist, Lisa. Because Lisa was the clever one, wasn't she? She was, and if she was more intellectually inclined than Lisa, that must have been... She must have been a nerd. (laughs) Her subsequent leading role was in How to Make an American Quilt in 1995, and that was followed by Boys in 1996. Also in 1996, Winona took a role in Al Pacino's directorial debut, Looking for Richard. She also starred alongside Daniel Day-Lewis in The Crucible. While the movie received critical acclaim, it didn't really fare as well commercially. Shortly after, Winona took part in the 97 film Alien Resurrection, where she portrayed a humanoid robot. Her next film, Celebrity, co-starred Leonardo DiCaprio and Charlie's Theron. It was also this year she began a two-year relationship with Matt Damon. In 1999, she took on both acting and executive producer roles in Girl Interrupted. Despite being part of the Hollywood scene since the mid-80s, Winona made her inaugural talk show appearance in December 99 when she appeared on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno to promote Girl Interrupted. Following that, she took on the role of the fragile, beautiful, young and talented yet doomed love interest opposite Richard Gere's character in the 2000 romance film Autumn in New York. In the same year, she played a nun in Lost Souls. Unfortunately, this movie didn't perform well at the box office. I'm feeling quite bad for Winona at the moment because a lot of them, yes, she's winning awards. It's obviously proving to herself that she's good, but there's quite a few films I haven't seen here and that you think, oh, they haven't done well in the box office. I think the three that stand out from my childhood, I guess, would be Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands and Alien Resurrection. Yeah. Around this juncture, Winona was honoured with a star on Hollywood's renowned Walk of Fame, a distinction sponsored by her Dracula co-star, Sir Anthony Hopkins. And this is where we go back to something we probably remember most from Winona Ryder in the 90s. And now that we've had the background that she was already seeking help for her mental health issues, mm. it kind of makes a lot more sense now as yes. adults looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So on December the 12th, 2001, Winona Ryder faced an arrest for shoplifting thousands of dollars worth of designer clothes and accessories from the Saks Fifth Avenue department store in Beverly Hills, California. The Los Angeles District Attorney Stephen Cooley orchestrated a team of eight prosecutors and took an aggressive stance in prosecuting the actress, with the prosecution demanding that the proceedings be televised. In response, Ryder enlisted the services of renowned defense attorney Mark Garagos. Attempts to negotiate a plea bargain failed by the end of summer 2002. The prosecution really seemed to be trying to make an example of her. And the reason I say that is because there were 5,000 other defendants with very similar cases and each of those was offered a no contest plea on misdemeanor charges. Mm. She wasn't offered that and she tried to fight for that legally and she she never had that opportunity. So had she not have been a star... She would have got it. She would have got it. But they wanted to make an example of of a high-profile person who'd been shoplifted. Yeah. 
During the trial, she also faced accusations of using drugs without valid prescriptions. A probation report, which can still be found online, revealed that she'd failed up to 37 prescriptions from 20 doctors under six different aliases over a three-year period. However, the defence provided the written prescriptions for the drugs found in her possession, leading to the prosecution dropping this particular charge. In the end, Ryder was convicted of grand theft and vandalism, but the jury acquitted her on the third felony charge, which was burglary. In December 2002, she was sentenced to three years of probation, 480 hours of community service, $3,700 in fines, $6,355 in restitution to Sachs. So that's the store she mm. stole from. Yeah. Additionally, the judge mandated that she attend psychological and drug counselling. The charges were subsequently reviewed and on June the 18th, 2004, the felonies were downgraded to misdemeanours. Ryder explained that the incident occurred during a difficult time in her life. She added that the painkilling medication that a crack physician prescribed her clouded her judgment significantly. Jules Mark Lucen, who prescribed the medication, subsequently had his medical licence revoked by the Medical Board of California for unethically prescribing medication to his patients. And that is really sad because if she's taking all of these drugs that she's got no idea what they do and a doctor is telling her she should take them to make herself feel better and they mm. cause her mind to work in a way that she does go out and make those kind of judgments mm. that's really difficult yeah and she it really did have a big impact on her didn't it it did it did because then you see after that she disappeared i definitely retreated Ryder explains i was in san francisco but i also wasn't getting offers i think it was a very mutual break she just right. needed that time away but the fact that the doctor has subsequently been struck off means she's not the only patient there. No, he's struck off for exactly that, yeah. prescribing medication unethically. Yes, so I wonder how many others have suffered like she has. She made her return to the big screen in the Adam Sandler comedy Mr. Deeds and the fantasy film Sim 1. Both of these had been filmed prior to her arrest. So she'd already done the filming of those, but it was the release that was after. Yes, after. Winona then took on a different role as the producer and narrator of a documentary titled The Day My God Died. And that documentary in 2003 exposed the child sex slave trade. After this, she returned to fiction, taking a minor part in Asia Argento's The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things. Ryder made a career return with appearances in several independent films in 2006 and 2007, including the Darwin Awards, A Scanner Darkly, The Ten, and the surreal black comedy Sex and Death 101. In 2008, Ryder played the female lead in The Last Word, before starring as a newscaster in the film adaptation of The Informers. She also appeared in director J.J. Abrams' Star Trek as Spock's human mother, Amanda Grayson. Mm -hmm. The following year, Ryder starred alongside Robin Wright and Julianne Moore in Rebecca Miller's The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. The following year, Ryder had a prominent supporting role as an ageing ballet star in Black Swan in 2010. She also starred in the independent film Stay Cool and in the television movie When Love Is Not Enough, the Lois Wilson story. Ryder next appeared in the leading role in Ron Howard's The Dilemma in 2011. In 2011, she began a relationship with fashion designer Scott McKinley Hahn, with whom she remains to this day. In 2012, she starred in The Iceman, The Letter and Frankenweenie. One year later, she appeared in the action thriller Homefront. She continued her work in television with the HBO miniseries Show Me a Hero, in which she played the president of the Yonkers City Council. 
She then starred alongside Peter Sarsgaard in the biopic Experimenter, playing the wife of Stanley Milgram. And 2016 was huge for Ryder. She took a role in the Netflix production, which brought her profiles right back to the mainstream. And it really did. This, and this was, is what you mentioned. Because I remember when she was starring in it, her name was one of the things that drew me to it. Ah, The fact okay. that, oh, Winona Ryder's in that, I remember yeah, her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the show was Stranger Things, and she played Joyce Byers, a single mother whose 12-year-old son, Will, vanishes mysteriously. And I think originally she wasn't meant to be a massive, massive part of the show. Okay. But the role grew and she became, mm. although she was the mother of the missing child, she sort of became almost part of the group of right. children that were finding okay. him. Yeah. The second and third seasons of the series were released in October 2017 and July 2019. For season three, she was paid a reported $350,000 per episode. The first episodes of season four premiered in May 2022. In 2018, Ryder appeared in the film Destination Wedding alongside Keanu Reeves. In early 2020, Ryder appeared in a Squarespace Super Bowl commercial, which was aired during the first half of the game. Later that year, she starred in The Plot Against America, an HBO limited series based upon Philip Roth's 2004 novel of the same name. She's really got herself she's, back in, yeah, hasn't she? Yeah, and it's lovely to hear. She's, yeah, coming high again. Well, if you remember, she appeared in that advert in the Super Bowl commercial. Mm. Again, a year later, she reprised her role as Kim Boggs in Edward Scissorhands in a Super Bowl ad for Cadillac. Mm. Now, Super Bowl is the most watched event in America. Uh, yes, it and is, two years it? in a row, she's on one of the major advertisements that are played during yeah. the commercial break. I think that says a lot for where her career had, yeah, had, had gone. returned yes, to. Yeah. Winona Ryder does not come across like a typical celebrity. So she doesn't really want the fame that comes with her role and prefers to keep a low profile where she can, a bit like Hugh Grant when we covered mm, him on, yeah. on the episode. She says, I feel there's a tendency towards overexposure. I know there are some actors that I don't want to see for a while and I don't want to become one of them myself. How mm, self-aware is that? Yeah, definitely. Her own experiences make her something of a guardian to her young co-stars on Stranger Things. A natural humour made the producers of the show extend her role, which had originally only been intended to be that of a worried mother. Mm. Generation X's gloomy teen has grown into a secure adult, finally comfortable enough in her own skin to share her wisdom and sense of humour with the world. A quiet life is, after all, Ryder's version of a best life. That's where the fierce independence and raw emotional need of youth tend to balance themselves out in maturity. Far from the spotlight, among old movies, old books, old friends, the emotional equivalent of a 300-acre commune bereft of electricity and television sets. So See what I did there? Yeah, I did, yeah. So uh, clever. Uh, thank you. That is the moving story of Winona Ryder. Mm. I actually, after yeah. doing the research, I, I mean, I did like her anyway, actually. Yeah, I always, you remember her from the films. I do remember her film. from the films, but also the character. I always felt a bit sorry for her with the shoplifting bit. Yeah. I didn't really understand all of the background with the doctor prescribing yeah. her the inappropriate yeah. drugs. Didn't really understand all that, but I always felt it was a lot worse for her than it would have been for someone else. Yeah. Because even doing the the trial publicly, it's kind of just to embarrass her in yeah, a way, isn't it? That's not fair, yeah. But she's managed to come back, get right back to the top of her game. Yeah. And she's an absolute star now. And then mm-hmm. rightly yeah. so. She's had a whole life in an industry that's hard and cruel and she's still going still strong. Going. Yeah. From childhood, how many childhood actors? When we look up some of the films from back in the day, yeah, yeah, the childhood actors go on to either just 
do something else or go on to not be, you know, have a mm. very difficult life. Mm. And despite her own mental health issues, which potentially mm. could be linked to some of that. Yes, yeah. And it's good. Again, viewers, let us know what you think. Are you a fan of some of her films? Had you not really known much about her and, and now you're thinking of it like we are? Do you know what I want? Yeah. See how Stranger Things is like an 80s. You can see where I'm going now. Yes, yes, I can. I really can't wait until we've got that situation where the 90s become that. Because I even remember an episode of Black Mirror that again yeah. went back to a kind of 80s vibe. I hope they Another do it ten, soon. Yeah, yeah, I don't really yeah. want to wish the next 10 no, years away, no. but... I hope they do it soon where they start doing those those programs out. In fact, <laughs> listeners, please, if you know of a TV series set in the 90s, please do let us know about it because we'd love to watch it. Might be something we actually do a review on afterwards. Brilliant. Thank you, Jimmy. That was a good one. Yeah, thanks, Beth. And thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week. But until then, talk, talk to, to the, the hands. hands.